think when I'm looking at it this week, I'm like, what is the what is the big thing that's like you know people are talking about? For me, and maybe as a result of like the pandemic or whatever it is, but like Barbieheimer, like and you know a wee bit of buzz around like sort of cinema and stuff again was kind of like quite nice to see. Like um, I think as always with these things, like some of the reaction to bits and bobs it on on both the movies have been sort of pretty hilarious. I've not seen either yet, but I probably like will watch both of them at some point like said to the missus oh here by the way this because as i said to you is like i watched some of the barbie trailers and was like this is clearly like dripping in sarcasm like this is a complete piss take of both barbie people's reaction to barbie the guys within it having a piss take and a laugh at themselves like it just looked fun in a lot of respects you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. um but i the reaction to that has been you know quite wild in some respects and then you got Oppenheimer, and I don't think you could probably have two movies that really, like, have the, you know, sort of polar opposite to each other in terms of, like, tone. Uh-huh. I've not um, seen Oppenheimer yet, but I've, I've been to see Barbie. Right. Um, I've heard a couple of sort of things about Oppenheimer. Did you wear pink? I didn't, no, but I went to see it at The Forge. So I went right. to see it at Is the Pyramids of Aye, like the Sunny World at the Forge, and it was just, there was like fucking two people there. Was, I love that, but... <clears throat> I don't know how that place ever survived, because over the, whatever, 20, 30 years that it's been open, and I used to go quite regular with Alex, like when she was younger, because it was always like quite handy, and generally quite quiet. I've never been in to see anything in the Forge in my entire life, where there has not been less than like six people there. Uh-huh. Like, so I don't know how it survives. I don't know like, how it survives either, other than maybe took like a fucking 40 year lease or something like that. <laughs> Um, but um, I mean, on the on the on the Oppenheimer, I've seen a few people saying stuff like, you know, again like Tenant, like the dialogue's really low and the the soundscape's really high and mm-hmm. it's kind of off-putting. I've seen people say they went to see it at the IMAX and it was so loud, it was kind of like overstimulating for them and stuff like that. But um, I'm I really want to see. Uh, Oppenheimer, but let's say that I've seen Barbie. Um, it was the cast and it looks phenomenal. And I mean, the Barbie cast is also pretty, you know, stacked for, you know, good actors, like, um, but I am very, I'm probably more interested to see Oppenheimer, but I know and fanboy myself, I do, don't always get these movies like Tenet and Dunkirk and stuff like that, but at the same time, he is, you know, an elite level sort of director and, you know, the talent and cast that he works with regularly or all, love them all, like Guy um, Murphy, brilliant actor, love him and just about any shows up in. They're saying that Robert Downey Jr. is looking like he might be running into like a best supporting actor role and stuff like that. And even like the Lassie Pure, I, I mean, is that how you pronounce it? Florence Pure? I think so. Aye. Aye. She seems to be like everywhere now. I think that she in like literally every movie that's been made at the minute. But again, she's good in them, you know what I mean? Like, so fair play to her, you know what I mean? Like, but aye, the, tone, aye, the criticism at Oppenheimer was a wee bit more, oh, you didn't show the impact on what the bombs did to Japan, and you're like, because that's not really what the movie was about. The movie was about the journey towards yeah. the bomb and the impact it had on the people's lives who built it or were in that sort of race to build it sort of thing. Like, um, so I kind of... There are movies that show the devastation. There are things out there, that, documentaries and whatever else that show that, you know, impact that the nuclear bomb had on, you know, Japan as a country. Um, I just don't think that it was a particularly valid criticism on this one because... Uh-huh. It was the journey to the bomb that they were exploring. I, I think you know when, I, mean when I seen, before I had seen any context and before I had seen even any of the cast members, when I heard about it, I was sort of a bit myself like, do I really want to watch an American-made movie about them dropping 
well, basically like war crimes. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like I was a bit sort of like maybe I don't I, I don't know like um, that's heavy going. I imagine. I and also like you know. We, Aye, I, I, that was my sort of gut feeling. Was like, don't really want to go and see a Hollywood made movie about the atomic bombs. Like, how are Japanese people going to feel about that? How's it going mm. to go down? You know, we live in a, a a global multicultural society, or we're supposed to anyway. Or that's where, and I think like that was my sort of initial reaction. Was that sort of like they're going to bring into context like the impact it had? Like you're saying, it's not about that. It's about the guy himself. And I know that him personally, he was Jewish, and I think he has motivation for building the bomb was to like you know stop the nazis and then it was kind of no really used for that it was you know it was like the japanese will never stop and like so we'll yeah just, it was like a vulgar display of power and mm. then they did and also like the japanese didn't stop with the bomb either it's a complete fallacy uh -huh. like you know i think when we see the what was it, oliver stone did a series where he covered it really well and this is years ago and uh you know Japan had the first bomb, refused to surrender, had the second bomb, a few days later, refused to surrender. And then the sections of the Russian army showed up in Mongolia, you know, and at the point where they were like, fuck, the Russians are here, the Japanese army surrendered. So, you know, the two bombs, although they were dropped in, they were, you know, a display of the power that the Americans now had at their disposal. It was a warning to, you know, the other members of the Axis parties and guys like the Nazis and stuff like that. It wasn't the bomb was not really what actually got Japan uh, to, to surrender. Like, surrender. You know what I mean? It will have been in the mix, obviously. You know what I mean? But uh -huh. at the same time, it wasn't the, the be all and end all that it's made out to be, which I think is something that probably wouldn't have been covered in the movie either. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like, I found out the other night that 120 people survived both. As in, what went through one to the other <laughs> and then survived. So well, went for like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, they were transferred. Sort of, I've heard about this. Like a a guy recants this tale that he was like essentially survived one blast, and then they like take them all over to to the second city to get treatment and then or whatever, gets, and then and then they bomb well, there. gets dropped. I mean, the mega tonnage and stuff like that on those early bombs is nothing by comparison to where well, that technology is now. They're talking about the Tsar bomb that the Russians tested in the eighties, which I'm pretty sure is still currently. The biggest atomic bombs, like fifty Nagasaki's. Yeah, ah, there's, there's. So if they dropped it in New York, they're talking about like a thirty kilo kilometer radius, whatever it would just be like dust. Aye. Whereas I think in Hiroshima it was like what three kilometers or something like that, and, Aye, and when you're outside like, of that, you could have still largely like, you know, at that time anyway, like wooden and paper t villages and cities you uh -huh. know what i mean like there's well, the guy that dave's talking about that was like documented quite a famous guy that survived both and like has done loads of interviews and stuff he was only like something like a thousand meters away from the blast site but he got himself into a ditch like wow. flung himself down a ditch and managed to survive it they're also hydrogen bombs aren't they that's even uh, less believable than like indiana jones jumping in a fridge and surviving <laughs> one day. you know what i mean like, but that's what i'm saying that that shit actually happened i, I know that people yeah, yeah. survived the individual bombs i was not aware that there were people who survived both bombs uh -huh. because that's that's wild yeah but i think like we're sort of getting off of the sort of talking about like the context of these two movies like um i i think it just there was like a point where I was like, this goes against all marketing, right? Like mm -hmm. I was watching a thing the other night where it was talking about like Blur and Oasis and how like, you know, uh, 
McGee was like that to Noel Gallagher, like look, blood are just changing. So they they, they were like country houses coming out in the same day as Rowett. We'll change it a week and then they changed it a week and they changed it again. And Noel was just basically like, Don't change it, let's mm. just go for it. And like McGee's like, This is suicide. And it turned out to be the biggest marketing thing. And I think a yep. similar sort of thing's happened. Like the executives are like, we're worried about this, blah, blah, blah. And it has just been something that you just cannot predict. Yeah. Well, the, the actual, because it seems like a weird sort of like, the right are like an Oppenheimer and the left are in Barbie and they're like, we hate the other one and we don't like the message other one. And it's just caused this whole sort of big massive bubble and people have started today. Like the, bar, is it the Barbin, Barbenheimer? Barbenheimer, Barbie and then as an actual back double bill. Well, there was a lot of places were actively like, couldn't buy that man. Like, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was said to have been trying to get IMAXs for Mission Impossible, and they were like, "Well, Christopher Nolan films everything in IMAX, and all of a sudden he's, he's your guy. Uh -huh. Like, we are not going to like give up screen space." Like this this guy is Mr. IMAX. Uh -huh. Like we, he's he's gonna be in all our IMAXs opened in the country and it's just the way it is. And there was a lot of chat about oh Tom Cruise is on blah 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 blah. And then you see pictures of him, he's one of the first people he's like the day the two of them launched in, you know, Leicester Square or wherever the fuck he was, with like tickets to Bath and like Tom Cruise was doing the Barbieheimer double bill and you're like two movies that just so like a diametrically opposed to each other, like became this like really like weird culture, and I think that is that cinema has no really been at its strength since the pandemic. It has become, you know, home cinema, home premieres, and Amazon Prime, and all these things where you can buy them like the the day after they finish up in the cinema has really become like quite a prominent thing for people and like. Like for me and Stace, right? Stace wear epilepsy. So you can enter like a cinema, like sound systems, lighting effects and stuff like that can be really quite triggering. But like, see when stuff new comes out and you can just put it on in the house. Uh -huh. Like, it is like, I, I prefer it. Like you can pause it, nip to the toilet, jump out for a cigarette when I was smoking, you know, whatever it is, go and fix a drink, go and make something to eat and come back and you're still in the comfort. Like, to me, that's something that makes more sense to us now. Uh -huh. So it does like... Um, so no really engaged be like oh what's out in the cinema this week but this was one of the, the sort of first times since the pandemic where I was like I kind of want to go and see like this Barbie and Stace was like what uh -huh. <laughs> you know what I mean like why and I'm like it looks funny you know what I mean like, uh -huh. um, as to say Oppenheimer's probably the type of one that I would not expect Stace to sit through you know a three year movie about you know a, a biography that's the type of one that I would be like she goes to bed one night and, and I'll, I'll sit and, I'll I'll sit and, and watch, watch it in the house myself, uh, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, but the Barbie one was one where I was like, do we want to go and get Alex rounded up and we'll all go to the cinema? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. And Steve was like, no, nah, no really. And I was like, oh, okay then. But still might. See, to be perfectly honest, mate, I don't blame her. Like, we went out to the Forge on a Tuesday afternoon and we got uh, two drinks, a popcorn and two cinema tickets and it was 56 quid. Fucking hell. So you're like 30 quid just for your tickets, man. And like, I was like, oh, this is, I mean, no wonder. Like, if you had, if you had fucking two wains, two adults, Aye. right? I think they do a ticket that, a family ticket where you can take like up two to, adults, two kids, or whatever. Two adults, two kids, or like whatever, as long as there's at least one adult and you can have like three kids or whatever. It's like 27 quid, right? So say you're, you're, you're 27 quid just for the tickets. And then, mate, like, see for a, a medium drink and a medium popcorn, it's like 13 quid. Fuck me. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it, I don't I don't blame people for no no going to the cinema. It seems like this sort of 
buzz has and you know it's not available in Disney Plus. It's not available here. You need to go to the cinema to do yeah. it. Like I, 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 I'm like, ah, it's cool. It's like merry at like an event, but it's so expensive now. But I mean, I really enjoyed Barbie. I thought it was funny. I thought Ryan Gosling was fucking excellent in it. <laughs> we'll not really go in too much. I mean, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about some of the commentary, but oh, definitely, like, my own opinions about it. But I had a wee bit of, I had a bit of a, a sort of like a bit wanky. I suppose it was a bit wanky myself. But I sat down and sort of thought about it, and I was thinking about stuff like I was like, this has been made for the generation of people that we're in right. that are almost like trapped in you know like trapped in their sort of teenage years like this sort of like millennial thing that's happening where people kind of go on the housing ladder people yeah. kind of get like proper like fulfilling careers and well we're, we're constantly like harping back when like nostalgia to like these sort of like toys okay that was like one thing i sort of thought about is like why has this been so fucking popular um the other thing that i thought is that it was so meta like they were talk, they were kind of poking fun at it but you're kind of like you're poking fun at something that actually exists where they were like barbie comes to the real world and she goes into the boardroom and she's like where's the women and they're like there are no women in the boardroom and they're like kind of you're kind of like but that's real yeah. You're kind of like making a joke of something that Mattel have 100% been a party. Yeah. And also, like, the whole sort of, like, just the whole fact that just consumerism and, like, this whole sort of culture of, like, you know, they were, like, at the end, they were flashing up all the different Barbies and I was just sort of okay. sitting thinking, like, how, like, we're in a cost of living crisis and we're sort of, like, glorifying this thing that has just been total consumerism oh, and like get the dress and oh get the get the house and get our bike and you're just sort of like i don't know man i, I think, think it's like, even gone that way with the movie because i think mattel were using the movie almost as a kind of like test balloon to see because again they're not making the types of money that they once made off of dolls and houses and accessories and all these types of things so like how do we like further monetize our product mm -hmm. and now barbie has shown that they can do that through mainstream cinema uh -huh. um and again you know i think the, they're, they're the, talking about the mattel universe aye, this is a, the mattel cinema so another Cineverse. mcu, aye, another aye, MCU aye, aye. except it's mattel and no marvel um where is it polly pocket or something like that sally or something like uh -huh. that and it's the lassie for emily in paris is going to play it and uh, so they're now like lining up other Mattel kind of properties to then repeat. And it's, it has kind of taken a level of the shine off for me because, as I say, when I was watching the trailers, I was like, again, this is just dripping in irony and sarcasm. And, you know, it's very conscious of itself. It's uh -huh. definitely poking fun at itself. Like, But if it then spawns an actual cinematic juggernaut that is there to churn out money through cinema tickets... It kind of undercuts that sarcasm and that fun that it's poking at itself because it is actually launching this potential behemoth on people that will inevitably, like Marvel, lead to the same type of fatigue that people will be like, you know, they'll get four or five down the line and be like, fuck, they're sick of this already. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. like, because that's just how it's going to go. You know what uh -huh. I mean? Like, but just going to when it's saying that, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to going to see it. Um, maybe take the way in rather than stay uh -huh. since, you know, she's not up for it. On my, like, cynical point where I was talking about, like, 
are we like trapped in our childhoods? Are we mm -hmm. no like are we refusing to grow up? I actually said to somebody about that, like just like I, I was just having this thought about like I suppose there's a part of it is sort of like mine, you know, like coming into middle age and just sort of like gone like I got my driving license recently. I think I've went through a lot of like, maybe it's time for me to grow up a wee bit. Do you know what I mean? And, like, <laughs> and I think I've projected that on you because when I said that to them, they were like, well, you could look at it a different way. Are we the first generation of adults that it's actually okay to play? And like our parents, like, yeah. you know, my dad had, you know, when I think about it, he sat on the couch and he watched cowboy movies and he smoked fags and it was like, he didn't have a lot of fun. You know, no. he maybe went and played a game of golf. But we are uh, like, we are now... Sat down the local a couple of nights a week. Uh-huh. But we're talking we're talking about half Mike, and, you know, we can edit this, but you, you recently got a PS5. Aye. The idea, of, and I've spoke about before, like, the sort of realisation that, fuck, I'm older than what I remember my dad, like, when I first remember my dad. The idea of my dad buying a games console oh. back then and sitting down and, and actually, like, gain himself, like, headspace by getting into a flow state playing a game yep. is just not in the cards and when I sort of had that sort of cynical take of like man we're trapped in our fucking teenage years we're refusing to grow up which has a kind of trope and a sort of you know like you just need to grow up I loved that when that, the guy said to me actually I think we're maybe the first generation but it's alright to stay yeah have that connection to your childhood and actually still have fun and play whereas the adults in the past had so much stress that Aye. they just could not just do was that. Because I, I think, like, we, like, the comparison to my first ever console, PlayStation 1, I remember playing the old school polygonal, like, Final Fantasy 7, and my dad, who would have been probably in and around his 40s at that point, popping his head around the door with a meme, you winning, son? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and he'd be like, it's a hundred hour game, dad, but I pretty much the new, all right, you know, go away. And he'd be like, right, no worries. And he'd sometimes, if you're playing a football game, come in and be like, sit on the edge of the bed and be like, what's this? And like, try and show an interest. But he'd be like, you want to go? He'd be like, no. Well, like, no, you're all right. I'm just, I'm just, you know, checking in, uh -huh. seeing what you're doing, trying to show an interest and whatever else it is. And then we go now to me, who's, again, in his early 40s, I'm passing my PlayStation 4 to my daughter, who's now, while I'm sitting now playing the Final Fantasy VII remake 20 years later. And, you know, we're like sitting talking about Crash Bandicoot and she's sitting playing Little Big Planet. I'm going, there's a Little Big Planet sequel that you can get on this. And, uh -huh. you know, it has become something that we have in common. Uh -huh. So it is like, and again, it is probably because we have that permission to play, you know, whether it be, you know, comic books or whatever your thing is, whether it be, you know, collecting Barbies or Buzz Lightyears or whatever it is, like we have aye, a level of permission to do that type of thing that maybe previous generations didn't have. Like, it's probably a good point, I think, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's actually, like I said, I, I was like, ah, fuck, do you know what, man? Maybe I'm just adopting this, because I remember going to the football with my dad. Like, my dad didn't take me to Celtic games until I went to a few when I was really young, but then he made a conscious decision. No, do you know what? Like, I think my best mate was a Rangers supporter, and he was like, do you know what? Look, take him away for that. And then I went back as, like, a teenager. We got a season ticket, Hamden. And then it was the next season when we first went back to Celtic Park. I can remember my dad sitting going, look at the fucking state of these cunts that were, that were stoning in tracksuits. Like, oh, adult yeah. men in Celtic tops and tracksuits. And see, now I'm like, no, you know what? See, if you, you and your, the amount of people that I see where it's like, they're now they went to school with us and they're now gone down to the, the show part it's getting delivered and they're putting the taps on with their boys. And I'm like, they are, it's exactly what you just said. It's like, you're creating memories and connections that 
you're actually the same as your parents. Whereas when I was like young, I looked at my dad and my mum really old. Yeah. And totally disconnected for me in any way. And I Absolutely. think it created this sort of sense of like, they won't get my, do you know what I mean? And like, I can't go to them with the troubles or my problems as a teenager because they won't get it. They're so like, their shit is nowhere near my shit. And I think it is a positive that you've got that connection with your daughter and she'll come to you with problems. Even with like my nieces I mean? and nephews, it's like they're all MCU daft. You know, will you watch the latest Captain America or whatever it happens to be? Like, you know, my dad was not like, we'll we'll sit down and watch Superman or have you seen, you know, whatever, you know, I think that when I was growing up, there wasn't really a lot of like Aye. particularly good superhero movies. You know what I mean? It wasn't really a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I maybe the Batman movies. I like Aye. Aye, Michael Keaton. I like that. That would have been like the genesis of like going to cinema for me. Um, so I, I do intend to watch the Flash just purely for Michael Keaton, even though I've heard it's garbage. But oh, I really enjoyed it. Right. I really enjoyed the Flash. Um, but one of Sharon's mates plays his body double. Like, see the bit where there's the two Flashes, mm-hmm. a guy that she went to uh, stage school with is that guy right. so I, she was like pure buzzing to watch it because her pal Eddie's nice. in it um, and because I don't I, I watched that I was like do you know I had no expectation I haven't mean, actually been like this has got to be shite mm-hmm. so I came out of it being like actually it was alright and seeing Michael Keaton and like an updated Batman suit yeah. and, and the old Batmobile I was like yes man <laughs> like Aye. fucking yes and I, I was definitely where it started for me because I'm all the way gay for Batman I love the that, you know what I mean like, um, um, but I in terms of the Barbie stuff like let's say we touched on it but the reaction to it um i know the, we're, we're no covering what new ground here but the, the ben shapiro one fuck i mean this guy's level of like insecurity within himself is like terminal like, i mean it went <laughs> paid to go and see barbie then as i say came out went and then paid to buy barbies to then record a 45 minute video of him then burning Barbies and you're like, the fuck is wrong with you that you went to what is essentially a children's movie about a fucking plastic doll and you came out so angry that you had to set fire to something? Like, I mean, I get that, you know, these guys, a lot of it is performative, but I think we need to get to a point with something where we're like, right, that's fucking plenty. Uh-huh. Like, some are done, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, you can come out and be like, this movie promotes a matriarchy ahead of a patriarchy and you're like and what it's a movie aimed at young girls like like lensed through you know a children's toy like maybe maybe you don't need to actually take it that seriously Uh maybe you just like chill out and maybe sit a couple out you know what i mean like it's do you need to be like ah you know fist shaking angry about I I don't I think I seen like Whoopi Goldberg react to it and she was just like like what, I mean what is wrong with what you? Right, but that, that is the question. That is the that is the best question for somebody like Ben Shapiro is what is wrong with you? I like, like what is good, what damage? is going on in your uh-huh. head, mate, that you feel the need? And I think like I think there are quite a lot of performative people, you know, and I think, you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen like Lawrence Fox on Father's Day, absolutely like stinking drunk, try to fucking set fire, try to set to fire to LGBT a, an LGBTQ plus flag that was non-flammable oh. due to EU regulations. He went out and bought. He went out and bought to do that with. You yeah, know what I mean? Can, what? He was like, you can shove it up your, 
your arse and you're just like, mate, like, you're the problem in the world. Like, you don't realise that you think you're the solution and you're actually the fucking problem. And he's Aye. a pure, she's turned against the winds against us. And the amount of <laughs> Big divorced... Um, he has got the divorced uh, energy. A hundred percent. And I think, like, um, I, but I think quite a lot of it is performative and he's trying to do it. To, he's a failed actor, musician, and now he's trying to grift his way into politics and so I, broadcast I think as well. with somebody like Shapiro um I think quite a lot of the anger's real yes um and 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 it's quite like when you watch the the movie you're like I it does it does it actually kind of promotes she comes back and kind of promotes egalitarianism mm -hmm. she's in Barbie world where I mean spoiler alert right she's in Barbie world where the women are all the leaders and Barbie's uh, the ruler. President and, Barbie, Dr. Yep, Barbie. 100%. Yep. And Ken's basically at the beach with his abs looking good and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> What's your job? My job is beach. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they like... come into the real world and she comes back and he's turned into a patriarchy and actually at the end of the movie, the conclusion is we kind of need equality here. We need like Aye. egalitarianism. It's not going to work and you're kind of like, right. But they miss that point and even don't he like a bunch of like, incels on Reddit being like, I mean, Margot Robbie, she's mid. <laughs> seen and that. you're like, I've guys, you're all involuntary celibates because you are not clean enough, you know, good enough or like attractive enough to attract a woman that you have involuntary became celibate and you're calling Margot Robbie mid. Aye. Like, if you could even take a sniff of her farts, mate, you would be like <laughs> leveling up in your Aye. fucking life. It's, it's so, so weird like that, to see this sort of like male fragility and anger turn around and go, that gorgeous woman's mid. And mm. you're like... She was picked to be the literal embodiment of unattainable beauty standards, which is something that obviously, you know, the Barbies have been accused of with slim waists and long legs and blonde. And, you know, over the years, this has been like the kind of counter-argument to why, you know, people want to play with them. They, you know, they do all these horrible things. Like Margot Robbie was explicitly picked because she is the physical embodiment of that unattainable beauty standard. Like she is like unarguably one of the most attractive women probably the, on the face of the planet. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I did see that one and laugh, especially when you see her coming in out of premieres and you're just like, I mean, are your eyes working? Like just on a pure basic level, like get that, you know, these incel communities have their own insecurities alongside these guys like Shapiro and whoever else it happens to be. But, you know, you're, if your eyes work, that is a ridiculous statement. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I, I don't get it. But I... Even just like, even just, I think like, it sort of highlights the point is such a weird sort of like, but you are, are highlighting exactly what we're trying to say is, is that you are reducing her, don't you, what you see? Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, you, I suppose you could get into a sort of argument where she's playing Barbie. And you're like, right, okay, but you're literally being like, what? So she's, I think, I mean, what, if anybody's sort of gone, what does mid mean? Is this sort of term to say that she's a five out of 10? Mm -hmm. That's basically like she's mid scale or she's like, but you're you're literally just reducing a person, don't you? That? This is what we're trying to get ready. This is exactly what. Aye. This is exactly why you this are exactly where why you she are. was picked. It was to bait that type of reaction because uh -huh. the last of Gerwig, who has made this movie, is not stupid. Like clearly not. You know what I mean? Like she has understood what she was aiming to do, and she clearly understood that there were certain type of people who were going to have exactly these types of reactions to it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, you know, it makes it a wee bit kind of like predictable in a sense. Like guys like Shapiro and that now, like there is they have set. 
you know, their agenda to be just against everything. Like, and this was one of these things that it's a mainstream thing. It's out there. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's getting involved in it. So whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, they are against it because they are contrarians who are just against everything. You know what I mean? Like, I think I similar with these communities as well. To be part of those incel communities or those online communities that are having these types of conversations, to be in, you need to be against everything that's known. And it's not just like an individual facet of your personality. It is your entire personality, your entire being sort of thing. Like, um, <clears throat> but I, the, that type of shit, he's just like... It has get messages, it has got deliberate nods to things and, as you say, meta jokes and whatever else it happens to be. But at the same time, why can it not just be like a funny movie that people enjoy? You know what I mean? Like, why do you have to then inject your hatred? And yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, a mentality that I don't really get. But we sit and talk a lot about a lot of stuff I've done over the years. Like, and there is things that, you know, at times I've, I'm like, I fucking hate that. But like I don't, I don't think I'd ever be at a stage where I let it define, like my hatred or something, let you know me define who I was. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I think a lot of these communities of and people have mm -hmm. got gone against them at the minute, is that they have become so dug in to who they are that they are now just straight up excluding anything that is not what is, you know they immediately agree with. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I think that it's plain as day. When you take, as I say, people bitching about kids' movies. I that we, last year, Kevin Smith, right, you know, the guy for Clerks and uh -huh. shit like that, did like a reboot of He Man for Netflix. And it's just a fucking He Man cartoon. But in it, the female characters are given more sort of prominent roles, more actual like storylines, and everybody just being like pure. He Man's awesome. Like they all had their right. own sort of characters and essences that were true to what was originally in the He Man, but still also kind of like true to like modern audiences. Uh -huh. And these people went after fucking nut about it, and you're just like, this is a children's cartoon. Can you just shut the fuck up? <laughs>